0: You guys and girls so much turn with me again to John chapter 3 um, we're going to look again at Jesus and Nicodemus we're going to ask the question again not only about Nicodemus but about you and I also are we coming to or going away from the Lord let's pray together Father, I thank you again that we can open your your holy and divine word. And God, I pray that you would forgive us when we push it aside and don't think that it really has anything to say to us because, Lord, we know that these are the words of life. And these are the stories about your very own son who left heaven and came to earth and gave himself that we might know your love and your salvation. And God, I pray that as we gather here, that we who are Christians might rejoice and be encouraged and be inspired and even challenged every day to help others to find Christ as we have. And Lord, we would pray, too, that if there's someone here like Nicodemus that is searching for, for the real truth about life and about Jesus that they'll find, as Nicodemus did, that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Father, please speak in these moments through your word, and please use me as your mouthpiece. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to begin in verse 15, and I'm going to read through verse 21, which has been the verses that we have been focusing on. Quickly, let me tell you that Nicodemus, as you know, came to Jesus by night. And he wanted to flatter Jesus and say, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God because no man can do the works or miracles that you can do unless he is from God. And in those moments, Jesus began to reveal to Nicodemus he needed to be born again. And that's what I love about the Lord. He goes straight to the heart of the matter, but he does it with love. And this is what he is doing with Nicodemus. Verse 14 that we finished up on two weeks ago might seem strange. Jesus gives the illustration out of Numbers chapter 21 back during the days of the Exodus when the people had sinned against God and God's judgment caused snakes to go through that bit the people and they died unless they looked at the bronze serpent placed on a pole after God instructed them to do this, if they looked in faith that God had provided a remedy that they would not die because of their sin. Jesus used that illustration to help Nicodemus understand what his life and death were going to be about. And Jesus, in these verses that I'm getting ready to read, now tells Nicodemus, how can a man be born again? Listen to these verses, beginning with verse 15. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned, he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. And again you remember that in verse 19 and following where it says the word light I've substituted the name Jesus because remember again in John 8:12 Jesus says I am the light of the world and I think this is 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 acceptable for us to do this. So verse 19 this is the judgment that Jesus has come into the world And men love darkness or sin rather than Jesus because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates Jesus and does not come to Jesus, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does what is true comes to Jesus, that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been wrought in God. Now, for just a minute, looking back on verse 14, the story of the snakes and the bronze serpent, folks, The solution to Israel's sin in the Old Testament was not to kill those fiery serpents or come up with an antidote, but the cure for their sin and rebellion was to look in faith to God to forgive their sin. And folks, this is what this passage of Scripture is all about. Our world today has a sin problem. And as you and I know from reading the writings of Paul, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But God sent his son to die for the whole world. We are saved from sin, we are saved from eternal death by believing on Christ, by looking to him in faith. Two weeks ago, the last verse of Scripture that I pointed out to you was Isaiah chapter 50, uh, 45, verse 22. And look at this verse out of the prophet Isaiah. God speaking to Israel, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And folks, that's the message that Jesus is giving unto Nicodemus. That's the message of the gospel to every generation, that if you and I want to know eternal life, if you and I want to be saved, as we so often say, we must look to Jesus. And this is what Jesus is leading up to for Nicodemus and to every generation our world has been bitten by sin. And again, the wages of sin is death, Romans six twenty three. But folks, look at verse 15 and 16. And Steve's going to put these on an overhead. You can look at these two verses. But I want us to dwell on these two verses for just a moment, okay? That whoever, notice the use of the word whoever, both in verse 15 and 16. That whoever believes in him... In Jesus may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, these two verses, verse 15 and 16, have so much meaning in them. Folks, please understand that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but God has loved us so much that God wants to embrace the entire world of lost sinners and save them. Our Lord not only wanted Nicodemus to be born again, but he wants every person who has ever lived to know salvation in God. But folks, listen to this. In verse 15 and 16, whoever believes in him. And again, if you relate this back to verse 14, whoever looks to Jesus in faith. Now the word believe is an important word for you and I as Christians to understand. And there's so many different definitions of the word believe. I've heard in seminary that that believe is an action word and it means that you and I just fall completely and place ourselves completely upon Jesus for our means of salvation. And folks, that's so important to understand. You see, Nicodemus is depending upon who he is. He's a Pharisee. He's a leader of the Jews. He is a teacher he is depending all upon all these things to make him right with God, but he is lost, and he needs to be born again. He needs to believe in Jesus. He needs to fall completely and totally upon Jesus for his salvation. And again, and, and I know that you hear this so often, folks, if you're depending upon your church membership, or or who you are, or being a, uh, being baptized, or because all of your family was Christians, if you're depending upon that for your you're being saved, folks, it's not going to do it. And, and I've told you before, I thank you that you're a member of the church. I thank you that you've been baptized. I thank you that you've been born and raised in a Christian home. But, folks, it is up to us as individuals to believe and trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation. You can, nobody else can do it for you. And, folks, I wish it were true that you could because the whole world would be saved. I believe that there are enough Christians in our world that are so burdened for the lost. I know that there are many of you that are burdened for lost people in your your family and in your community, that you would gladly be saved for them. But it is something that we have to do as individuals. And one of the first steps is to believe. What do we believe? The Full Life Study Bible points out that the word believe includes three main elements. And I'll just quickly mention these, okay? Number one, to believe means that we have a sure conviction that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior for lost humanity. Now, let me tell you how important that is. Number one, if he is not the Son of God, he is just one other man. He's a good man. He's a good teacher. He's a miracle worker. But if he is only a man, he cannot make you and I right with God. But as a son of God, he can. And folks, it's emphasized throughout the Gospel of John that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the, the sins of the world. Even Jesus himself in John fourteen six, says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And Satan is propagating the lie in our world that there are many ways to God. And folks, there is only one way to God, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And please notice in both verse 15 and 16 it says, whoever believes in many gods or many ways to God, absolutely not. I'm not trying to be sarcastic, and I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Outside of Jesus, there's no other name under which we might be saved. That's what the early church began to preach. And so, number one, there must be the sure conviction that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God and the only Savior for lost humanity. Secondly, to believe means that we're going to enjoy a self-surrendering fellowship with Christ. And let me point out what I mean to you by that, okay? And, and Steve, I'm going to get you to come back to verse 15 to 16 in just a moment, but go to the next overhead if you will, okay? And in, in John fifteen four, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. When you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, we understand not only is there a transformation in our lives, but there's someone who comes and lives within us, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and that's a phrase that Paul uses so often in his writings, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Remember in Galatians two twenty. We don't have this on the on the on the overhead. Paul said, "I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me." And folks, when you and I are born into the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ comes and lives within us. And folks, if you don't have Jesus living in you, what does that mean? It means either we have not taken our commitment to Christ seriously and we pushed him aside or we've never been born again. I'm not judging. I'm just simply trying to point out the truth, okay? And there's a third element of believing. It is a fully assured trust in Christ that he is able and willing to bring us to full and final salvation and to fellowship with God in heaven. And folks, I think here's where one of the struggles comes for many people. You see, when Jesus saves us, it is forever. Whatever God does, it is forever. I think about the thief dying on the cross. You remember Jesus said, when he said, Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me. Where? In paradise, in heaven, in the place that I prepared for you. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Was he convinced that God had a place prepared for him? Listen to what he says. Do not be ashamed then of testifying to our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but sharing the suffering for the gospel and the power of God. Just give me, I've got to go through a couple of verses, okay? Who saved us and called us with a holy calling, If you go to the next frame, uh, Steve. Not in virtue of our works. that's That's how Nicodemus was trying to get into heaven, right? Virtue of his works. But in virtue of his own purpose and the grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus ages ago. What is Paul speaking about? God's plan of salvation has been intact before the creation of the world. God knew that if given a choice that mankind would sin. So he already had a Savior prepared to save those who would come in repentance and faith. Verse 10, And now has manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For for this gospel I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. Now listen to verse 12. And therefore I suffer as I do. Remember Paul is in prison. He doesn't know when his life is going to end. But I am not ashamed. And again, listen to what Paul says. For I know whom I have believed and am sure that he is able to guard unto that day which he has appointed or entrusted to me. Now why is that important? Go back again, Steve, if you would, back to John three fifteen and 16. Whoever believes has what? Eternal life. Verse 15. Whoever believes in Christ should not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. Folks, let me point out what is at stake here. If sin, if the wages of sin is death and the result of trusting Christ is eternal life, which one should we choose? And I want to point something out. The word perish, does not only mean that we're going to die at the end of this life. Every one of us are going to die unless we're here when Jesus calls his church up out of the world. And yes, I believe that's going to happen. But folks, the perish here is not only physical death, but spiritual death. And many of us who are believers now could testify... That before we trusted Christ as our personal Savior, that we were living physical lives, but spiritually we were dead. And Paul expresses this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And Steve, we're going to give you a raise for having to go back and forth, okay? You remember we read this verse months ago, and you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins. And folks... Can't we see that in the world around us? There are people that are physically alive but spiritually are dead. And folks, I confess to you that before I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I'm not tooting my horn, I'm bragging on the Lord. Before I trusted Christ as Savior, I could look alive outwardly, but on the inside I was completely and totally a miserable being and I was spiritually dead. And folks, listen, sin not only leads to physical death, but eternal death, eternal existence from the presence of God, away from the presence of God. The Bible describes that place and that existence as hell. And this does not end at death, but continues on forever forever. You see, we were created in the image of God, which means we shall live on forever and ever, either in the presence of God or in a place of eternal punishment called hell. And I know, I know that these are words that are hard to hear. But folks, that's the truth. If the gospel is real, and I believe it is, then we have got to share this with all of humanity. That's why we need to be born again. But folks, does God want us to spend eternity away from and apart from Him? Even today, even in the presence, does God want us separated from Him because of sin? And the answer to that is no. And I hope you're saying, well, can you prove that? Can you prove to me that God loves me so much that He doesn't want me separated from Him? Steve, again, go back to John three fifteen and 16. Thank you. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, what motivated God to send his Son Jesus? If this world is so full of terrible sinners like you and me, what caused God to send his Son? What caused his Son to leave his throne in heaven and come to earth to die on a cross? You know what it was? For God so loved. A love that is forgiving, a love that is without end, a love that is unconditional even to lost sinners like you and me and Nicodemus. And you see the word world here. Every one of his created ones, God's love is not limited to a few or to a group of people, but all. And sometimes we hear people say, well, those Christians, they just think that they are the only special people in the world. And folks, that is wrong. We do not. And by the mercy and grace of God, we have been saved. Just like every other sinner, we do not deserve it. But God loves us that much that He gave His Son. How does God prove His love for us? Verse 16, He gave His Son. God's gift of His Son comes for his, from His love for mankind. And folks, the story of Jesus is all about love. Listen to Romans 5, 8. And if you'll go to that verse, Steve, and I thank you. There it is. But God shows His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now think about that verse for just a second. You have to get good enough to get right with God. Do we have to stop sinning long enough? You know, I hear about some of the conditions, and, and I'm not making light of some of our laws, but uh, many of us went to the concealed carry weapons teaching yesterday, and 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 if you have any type of abuse uh, on your record, it has. I think I'm right in remembering this correctly that if you if that charge is like three years old or older. You know, then you can apply for for this concealed weapons permit. And I'm not trying to get off on that. But here's what I'm saying. With God there are no conditions except repent of sin and believe in Jesus Christ and He'll save you. That's it. I mean, we don't have to dress ourselves up, we don't have to get clean. We need to get washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. If you don't mind me sounding like an old fashioned preacher, okay? And, folks, let me read verse 17 and 18. Give me just a couple more minutes. I know that's dangerous for me to say, okay? But I'll, give me just a couple more minutes because I want to get this point in before we close, okay? Listen to verse 17. Listen to this. And listen to this as coming from the lips of Jesus himself. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Folks, listen to that. Let God's Spirit speak to your heart about that. His coming was not to judge nor condemn, but to save. Folks, to save. And listen to verse 18. He who believes, there's that word believe again, he who believes in him is not condemned. And folks, let me tell you why the Christian, why the born-again Christian can say that he's no longer under condemnation. Let me read to you from the Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee like Nicodemus. I wonder if the two ever met. That's just a side note and a side question. But listen to Romans 8.1. Listen to this, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now, no what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5 and let me read these verses to you, Okay. Therefore, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. What Paul is doing is summing up the Old Testament. When Adam and Eve sinned, you and I all, as human beings, we kind of inherited that sin nature. And there's not anybody that can deny that, can we? I mean, if we live any years of life at all, we're, we're bent and prone to be sinners, aren't we? I mean... I'm looking at a two-year-old grandson. You tell him to do something, he's going to do the opposite. I'm beginning now to tell him to do the opposite so I can get him to do what I want him to do. We are sinners by nature. And so Paul says, Death spread to all men because all men watch sin. But now listen to these verses, beginning with verse 15. Listen to this. Next slide, Tim. But the free gift. I love Paul. And in the verses that I'm getting ready to read, for five times he's going to use the expression free gift. Count them. This is in the Revised Standard. I hope it's in your translation. But the free gift of God is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass or sin, much more have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the effect of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many uh, trespasses brings justification, which means being put right with God. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all. You see what he's doing? He's comparing what Adam did, and he's comparing what Jesus did. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, that is Jesus, many will be made righteous. Law came in, that is the teaching of the Word of God in the Old Testament, to increase the Trespass, which means not to make us sin more, but make us aware of our sin. But listen to the last phrase. But where sin increased, grace abounded the more. How could Paul say that? Because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, I'm finishing when I quote from Adrian Rogers, okay? Jesus said back in verse 18, He who does not believe is condemned already. What does that mean? Folks, when we stand before God on the judgment day, and according to the word of God, every one of us will have to give an account of ourselves. Either either we we have bowed at the cross, confessing our sin, and the shed blood of Jesus has washed away our sins, and we stand before God and the righteousness of Christ are. or we stand before God in our own self-righteousness and our sins condemn us to hell. Not God the Father, not God the Son, but God, nor God the Spirit, but our sins condemn us to hell. So here's what's happening here with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is standing before Jesus in his self-righteousness. And Jesus is saying to him, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Folks, what is Jesus saying to you and me today? Are we coming to Jesus or are we going away from him? Have we heard the gospel but we rejected it up to this point? Is the Lord speaking to you today about being born again? Folks, if you will believe in him, you shall be saved. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, what a glorious Savior we have. We ought to praise him and we ought to thank him and we ought to tell about him to others so that they will come to Christ and be born into the kingdom of God. Folks, this story in John 3 reveals the very heart of the gospel. Do we know the Lord? Steve, would you go to that last frame? We did this last... uh, last time, two weeks ago. Forgive me for being repetitious, but folks, there's only one Savior and there's only one way. When we talk about Him, we're going to be repetitious, okay? You see where we got that blank? That's where the word whoever was. Put your name there. That if you believe in Him, you may have eternal life. For God so loved you and me that he gave his only son that if we believe in him we should not perish but have eternal life the lord jesus offered salvation to nicodemus and he offers it to us let us pray father i pray that you are in our midst this morning and that your holy spirit is reaching out to those that perhaps who have not yet trusted christ the savior And I pray that they would. God, I know that none of us can make them a Christian because none of us died on the cross for them. Only your son can. But God, our plea would be that they would turn to you and be saved. And God, I pray for us who are Christians. God, what a great price has been paid for our salvation, the blood of your very own son. And God, I pray that as we read this story and we find out about what your son has done for us, Lord, we would fall in love with Jesus again and we would want to serve him. God, forgive us all as Christians when we let sin enter back into the picture and when we we just push you aside and, God, we just live like we're not saved. Lord, I thank you that our salvation is secure and eternal in your son's blood. But I pray, Lord, that day by day we'll be found faithful and living for you and serving you so that others, too, will know who your son is and will trust him as their Savior. Be, Lord, with us in these moments of invitation. And, God, may everything and anything that is done be done under your leadership and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn this morning of decision is number 429, Sweet Hour of Prayer. We invite you, if the Lord is speaking to you about making a public decision, that you would come. Let us stand.